tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 45. Though we've never met, I've been thinking a lot about you these past few months. I really have. I've just been praying that the Lord would strengthen each of you during this unprecedented time, that He would meet your needs, but most of all, calm your heart with His presence. Because you guys, even in the middle of what seems so out of control, God has a purpose. I really think you're going to be encouraged by today's episode. So here we go. Well, I'm really excited to have Allie Worthington with us today. Her new book is called Standing Strong, A Woman's Guide to Overcoming Adversity and Living Confidence. And I have really been blessed by this book so far. And I am so honored to have you with us in the living room, Allie. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, well, I have been familiar with your work. You've been you've been doing um, online stuff and helping women for many years. Can you kind of just tell us your background? Yeah, I have the most interesting random story to get you where I am today. I started out as a blogger in 2006 because I I was in a bookstore and I thought I should write a book one day. And I went home to my dial-up um, internet, you know, on the modem and said, how do you get a book deal? And the answer was, well, you have to be famous or infamous or well-connected. And that was none of those things. But then the next blog search said, well, you can, you can start a blog and you can, you know, grow an audience and then you can write your book. And I said, great, what is a blog? So I started blogging in 2006. And then in 2008, with the recession, I was a stay-at-home mom. I just had my fifth son. We had a four-week-old baby, and we he had, my husband had lost his job. We ended up losing our home to foreclosure and losing everything we owned except what fit into two little pod storage units. And that summer, we stayed with my grandfather while my husband was interviewing for new jobs, and we would drive to the McDonald's Playland, and the kids would play in the Playland, and we would use the Wi-Fi, and I would Google, how do you build a business on the internet? And that led me down the entrepreneurial road where I, I built a conference and a few businesses here and there, and did that happily until about 2013. And then God just called me out of the blue after my husband had retired from his job, and I was the breadwinner, and he called me to shut it all down and kind of step out into into faith. And I went, oh, well, this this stinks. But I obeyed. It took me about a year. And um, about a year later, after I did that, Christine Kane, the evangelist, came to me and said, I hear who you, I hear you're the person I should, I should hire to build what I want to build next. And it was the ministry called Propel Women. So I did that for about three and a half years until God, out of the blue, told me I was done that it was time for me to leave. And it's kind of where the story picks up in Standing Strong of, of me going, why, why am I the girl who always has to quit good things? Mm. And that took me on a journey of, am I going to trust what I can see? Am I going to you know, not obey the Lord because I'm nervous about how I'm going to look? Or I'm nervous about, am I going to be able to provide for my family? And took me on a real adventure of learning to trust him and step out into what he wanted me to step out into again, even though I had learned that lesson a few years ago. Sometimes we need to learn those lessons. Yes, he keeps bringing them around, (laughs) doesn't he? He does. He does. So now I'm really comfortable in the uh, wearing a ministry hat some days and wearing a business hat other days. I think for me, there was this tension. I thought, Everything I had done in my life when I went into the ministry, oh, the ministry is better than the business world. And everything was preparing me for this. So when he was calling me out of full-time ministry, I thought, well, isn't isn't this what I'm supposed to be spending my time on? Have, have I messed up? I don't understand. And I didn't really understand how God has a heart for us to partner with him to do the work on the earth that he wants done. And of course, that means business too. You know, God always planned for houses to be built and the internet to work and Amazon two-day prime. He just partners with people to bring things to life. And that's important kingdom work too. We need, we need medicine. We need doctors. We need vaccines. We need books. We need, you know, grocery delivery. We need everything. And God partners with people to bring that to life. It isn't that ministry is, is holy work and all other work isn't. 
it's all doing work to bring God's purposes to life on this, on this world. And that's really what this season taught me. Oh, I love that so much because we really get confused, don't we? We kind of, we kind of compartmentalize stuff and we say, this is really important. And that is really important. It was kind of revolutionary when I went back to look at Genesis three and realized that, you know, from the beginning work was meant to be holy. It wasn't the curse. I kind of <laughs> thought it was the curse, <laughs> but, but it's holy. Yeah. Yeah, because he, like I said, he always had great plans for us to do great work, and he allows us to partner with him. I think about Noah. You know, he was slinging that hammer and building the ark year after year, but he was partnering with God to do what God wanted done. And I, I wondered as I was writing this book, how many people did God ask to write the to build the ark before someone said yes? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. You know, we, we don't hear about them because they were like, oh, I must've eaten some bad dates. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, it was like, I, I, okay, Lord, well, this doesn't make any sense. I've never seen rain. It's not going to happen for a hundred years, but here goes. Right. Well, and, and I wonder too, like, what was that process with about? Because it was a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we pick up something that we feel God has asked us to do. And if there isn't immediate results, or if, you know, if we don't get it done right away, then we really think that we've messed up somehow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good thing to think like, oh, I just get to partner with him. And I love that message in your book that it's not just about us finding something to do, but being available to him. And so I, you know, I kind of want to bring something around because um, I, I think I know because of my own personal experience, what it's like when God says, okay, that season's done and it's mm-hmm. time for another. But I wonder if there's not some women out there that says, you hear God, God told you, what, <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I never heard, and when I, I don't, I don't hear it audibly. I hear it in my spirit. I never heard the Lord speak to me until I was about thirty, I think thirty. And we were at church one day, and the Lord said, "You will have another son. You will call him Jeremiah." And I was like, "That's weird." Wow. I'm, I'm done having kids, and I, I don't even like that name. I feel bad saying that because I have a son named Jeremiah. And <laughs> I didn't like it at the time, and. Um, after church, my husband said, I feel like God spoke to me in church. I feel like it's time that maybe I apply for new jobs. Maybe it's time for career advancement. I said, oh, what, what did the Lord say? And he said, the Lord said, you've been blessed and you'll be blessed again. I said, oh, that's that's not about a job. That's Jeremiah. And took a pregnancy test, wasn't pregnant. A couple of days later, it showed up. And that was the first time I ever heard from him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, crazy. And uh, people, you know, he was my fifth son and people go, oh, maybe this is your girl. And I'd say, no, this is Jeremiah. And through the years, I would hear something maybe every couple of years. But the more I get quiet and try to listen, and l- when I pray, see if he has anything to say back, the more he speaks. But it has been a 13-year process of inviting him to speak and then trying to figure out when he's speaking. A lot of times I've thought he was speaking, but it was just my, me talking to myself. But I've learned through the years, if what I'm feeling like he is leading me to, if it is kinder than I normally talk to myself, if it is leading me to love other people well, if it's, if it's something that I wouldn't necessarily tell myself, that's a big um, I was I was teaching with a good friend of mine a few years ago, and we were both in the green room getting ready to teach. And I said, Lisa, has the Lord ever told you to take your shoes off before you go on stage and teach? And she said, no. Why? And I was like, oh, no reason. I just, I wondered. And she said, why did you ask me? And I said, well, I felt like I, I heard the Lord say that, but obviously I'm telling myself that. And she said, would you ever in a million years tell yourself that? And I said, no, especially because my toenails aren't painted and it is a mess down. It was February. Like it was a mess in my shoes. And she said, I, I think you better take your shoes off. And so it's just little things like that where I listen and obey and learn to listen a little bit more. Um, 
And I think, you know, in the Bible, it says, uh, don't quench the Holy Spirit. I think learning to give him space, um, learning to listen and go, I think this is you. So I'm going to act on this. Now, some people, we, we feel like he's speaking to us in our spirit and we just, it just somehow it sounds different inside of us than our own thoughts. And we learn to hear it that way. Some people have um, dreams at night. Some people just have a feeling. Some people go, I don't know how I know this, but I just know it. And so I'm going to move forward in that way. Some people, it's just an, an intuition and a nudge. So I think God is very individual in how he speaks to everybody. And it doesn't look the same for everyone, but that's pretty much how it looks to me. Now he is, he is most clear when I am on the wrong path. When I am on, and I, I he did this often in, in Standing Strong. If I was on the wrong path, he would send people who love Jesus to, to give me a heads up. When, when the Lord told me to leave my job, I was afraid to. And I spent months going, I will eventually, but not right now. And on the same day, he sent two friends, one who lives in Houston, Texas, one who lives in Orange County, California, to within a few hours of each other, give me the exact same message that I was disobeying God because I, wow. af- I was too afraid to leave my job. And if that doesn't make you go, okay, Lord, I see you. I get mm-hmm. it. Nothing will. So I think to some degree, inviting him to speak, inviting him to kind of move us along in a new way is really powerful. And then surrounding ourselves with other women who love the Lord and li- and hear from the Lord and invite them to speak into your life. Now, the thing is, I live in Nashville. One of those women's, women, is, women is in Houston and the other one's in California. It's not like we're doing life together every day. We, you know, we met from afar and then just developed a friendship over time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I think it's been the same for me. You know, I've never heard the audible voice, but you do start kind of learning, learning the, those signals. And like you say, it's different for different people. And I found that sometimes it's even different at different times. And I remember back before I started writing, but God was stirring it in my heart. Well, actually, no, he had literally called me to write by using a super uh, obscure verse. And I knew that I hadn't made it up. Anyway, it's a long story, but um, I had been teaching piano at the time and actually had a little homeschool choir and I just had had the most wonderful spring recital and but I had sensed that God was saying it's time to shut it down but I'm like oh I don't know I don't know if I should I mean the money we need still need the money and yes I need time to write but maybe maybe next year well I ended had this fabulous fabulous May recital had had like, I think 23 piano students, probably 15 kids in the choir. By fall, I was down to two piano students. Oh, that sounds like the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it was so sweet because it was, I just felt him saying, Hey, if you don't, if you don't want to shut it down, I can do it for you. <laughs> uh, and it didn't feel like correction. It didn't feel like he was upset with me. It was just like, no, it's time. And I love what one of my friends says. God's like your mother. If you don't listen the first time, he'll repeat himself. (laughs) We can trust him. We can trust him. I would love to dive in to your book because you really do talk about just navigating the transitions of life and even calling. And I do have this feeling that a lot of us think that once we found our purpose and we're really, you know, that's one of the things that I, I have this love hate thing with this emphasis on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we get locked into one thing and we think that's going to be the rest of our lives. But I love how you just talk about really turning it into this partnership with the Lord, but also being willing to to break through the roadblocks that hold us back. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I be- I think everyone's searching for their purpose. And, and to me, our purpose is really simple. It's to decide, are we going to accept Jesus as our Savior or not? And if we do, go mm-hmm. tell other people about him, period. That That is your life's grand purpose. That's it. There's We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to search for it. That's the reason we are alive on this planet. Now, calling, on the other hand, calling looks different in every season of life. So my my calling when I was a child 
look different than my calling when I was uh, in my 20s. It looks different when I was in my 30s. My calling right now looks different than my calling did last year because Mm -hmm. depending on what's going on in the world, what's going on with our families, the opportunities we have, the Lord is always calling us to do new inventive things. And because calling has been confused with career or vocation, it's limited the way we think about it. Our calling looks like waking up every day and going, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? What are you calling me to do today? Our calling in one season looks completely different than a, than our calling 10 years from now because the people around us are different. We're doing different things. The world is different. And so when we kind of go into this partnership with, with mentality with God and go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? Open those doors of opportunity or speak to me or, or give me wisdom. Put people in front of me that you want me to help. Give me ideas for the next thing you want me to do. That's when things get really powerful because it's funny when I was getting ready to to write the next book, what I do for each book is I say, Lord, what's what's my next book going to be? And sometimes it's easy. Like my my last big book was about fear. And he said, fear. And I was like, okay, fear. Got it. So for this one, he brought to mind the statement from my mom when I was little. She used to pray over me every night, this long prayer, but this one sentence that I would grow to be a great woman of God, fearless in my faith and strong as I face my future. And didn't mean when I was a little girl. But when I said, Lord, what do you want me to write about next time? He said, great woman of God. And I was like, oh, I must have eaten some bad food. I'm just that I'm, I'm saying that to myself because that's dumb. And then I went back a couple months later and I said, Lord, hey, like, like we had never talked, right? Hey, (laughs) (laughs) so what's the next book about? And he said, I already told you. I went, darn it. Okay, well, I got to figure out what this means. And as I prayed into it, I felt very clearly like, A, the Lord wanted me to tell my story the last couple of years, but more important than my story is that he was calling women of this generation to partner with him to bring his purposes to be, like we talked about before, and that he is calling women to be great women of God. And my obstacle there with figuring that out was, okay, first of all, does that sound does that sound prideful? Because when we think of great women of God, we're like, I don't know, there's may have been maybe three of them in the world. <laughs> but a great woman of God has nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to do with who we serve. And when we mm. step into partnering with God, you know, he is he is calling us to step in to do great things for him. That may be adopt a child, it may be write a book, it may be start a community garden, it may be breaking cycles of of abuse or toxic behavior that have been in our families for generations. Now, when we think of a great woman of God, we think of like a CEO or somebody or, you know, Mother Teresa, people doing all these great things. And those are great women too. But, um, you know, fighting your way, paying your way through college, that, that takes strength. That takes leaning on the Lord. Raising your kids right, it takes strength. It takes leaning on the Lord. You know, helping people in need, especially in this season, these are the things God is calling women to do. And I felt like he was saying, I, I'm, I'm calling women to partner with me to change themselves and to change their homes and to change the community, but it's just not getting through yet. And that was my journey to figure out what in the world was I going to write this time and how do I make sense of it? But when it comes down to it all, it's partnership and it's it's not based on anything we do. It's based out on getting out of our own way because we stand in our way because of self-doubt and adversity, those two things. And there's nothing holy about self-doubt when it just holds us back from doing what God wants to do. But we almost have this like false humility of, oh, I can't do anything or, oh, you know, low is me. Um, but the Lord is calling women to kind of stand up strong and go, okay, what do I, what do I need to fix in this world? Maybe it's maybe it's my own thought pattern. Maybe it's injustice. Maybe it's you know the people next to me are out of work and I can help them. Whatever it is, it's unique for every woman. And I think that there's been kind of a, a hijacking because of 
what some people call toxic positivity of like, you go girl, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, your whole world's dependent on you. And that just, that ruins everything because we don't do anything great in a, of ourselves. We don't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It is, it is the Lord working in and through our lives. It's the Lord working through the community we surround ourselves with. It's the Lord pushing us to help each other and to love each other and to do great things. And what happens is this kind of you go girl message that's that's seeked into Christian culture in the past few years is it so puffs people up that when the actions that they take don't necessarily work because there's no strength because the Lord isn't behind them, they think they they think that they've failed and they feel worse than they did before they got that kind of fake pump up mentality. Now does God strengthen us? Does God want us to expand our horizons? Does God take us from the most difficult, painful situations and shows us step by step how to get ourselves out of there with strength from Him? Yes. But if we're not relying on Him as the foundation, the core of everything, it's empty and we're almost setting our sisters up to fail. Yeah. Oh, I so, so agree. And I think that that has been the thing I've been asking the Lord is where is that balance um, between being available to do great things for the Lord, you know, and letting him define great, by the way. But also, you know, I guess what I'd love to know, Allie, is is just wondering, do you ever struggle with your motives behind it all. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, it's all for Jesus. It's only for Jesus. But those secret moments where the flesh just wants to get in there, how do we navigate that? Yeah, I think sometimes we almost over-spiritualize everything because, you know, there's a good motive in providing for your family. Yeah, there's a good motive in just wanting to be a nice person. I, I feel like sometimes we almost do too much navel gazing. Like, do I want to help this family over here because I w- I want to be a nice person, or do I want to help them because the Lord's calling me to do it? Well, both. Why not? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I think when when God puts a, a vision or a desire in a woman's heart, whether it's to start a new business or to write a book or adopt a baby or you know do whatever it is that, that he is pushing in her heart to do, that nudge that just, even when she ignores it, it keeps coming back. I think that we should default to the Lord is pushing me in this direction. Is it going to make the world a better place if I do it? Yeah. Am I going to show people love if I do this thing? Yes. Um, and then go, I'm just going to run with it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to constantly question my motives because here's the thing. When Christian women go, I have this, I feel like God is calling me to do this thing in my heart. When we hold ourselves back, it by default, it is holding back what God wants to do in the world because we aren't as a collective of, of women, imagine women who love Jesus. We're not like evil villains thinking about <laughs> robbing banks and, and, you know, like we're, we're not, what are we going to do? It's not going to be terrible stuff. Like we're almost twiddling our thumbs going, are my motives pure? Well, mm. yeah. What, what, like, well, how would they not be pure? Like you just want to go help your community or start a business or write a book or whatever it is. That's, I think we need to start defaulting to, Lord, I think that you're nudging me this way. If this isn't what you have for me, put up every roadblock in the world. Because what I've experienced from the Lord is whenever I start doing something and my motives are wrong, he will shut it down fast. Just like you were talking about earlier, when the Lord doesn't want you to do something, he'll He'll make sure you know. I feel like as Christian women, when we pray into stuff and we keep feeling this nudge or we have this desire, we have a goal. I say we run for it wholeheartedly and go, Lord, if this isn't for me, just just let me know real fast. Instead of second guessing, well, why am I doing this? And are my motives here? We just need to, we need to get to work. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I think that, you know, different personalities are going to have different obstacles, you know, and whether whether it's, you know, where where we're paralyzed by fear that our motives are wrong or or we're, you know, motivated by things that really aren't what God would desire, then he has the ability of purifying our hearts, which I just love. Like you say, he's got a way of straightening 
straightening it all out. You know, one of the things you talk about is the surprising secret to confidence. I'd love to have you share that. Yeah. So I think that we all think on some level that there's this idea that confidence is something that we either have or we don't have. Like some people have curly hair or have brown eyes or I say in the book, a third nipple, which my editors were like, do you really want to say that? Some people do. I don't know. But we think it's just something that we either have or we don't. Like I wasn't born with confidence. So I guess I'm, I guess I don't have confidence. I guess confidence isn't for me. But the thing about confidence is confidence isn't something we're born with. It's something that we have to build. It's a skill that we build up over time. And the only way we can build it up is by taking action. It's like when you first learn to ride a bike, you you ride a tricycle and then you have training wheels and then you get skilled at those training wheels and one falls off and you don't even notice. And then you take off the training wheels and you go for it. And some And sometimes for some of us, maybe that process takes years and tears and a lot of skin knees. But what happens is we get confidence that we can ride a bike. We suck it up, we take action, we practice, we manage our fear, and we just wobble and wreck, but then we get it. That is the same thing for everything in life. It's not that some women are confident and some women aren't. It's just that they took a scary first step. And I kind of went through parts in the Bible and I was like, okay, imagine what would happen if the Israelites hadn't taken that first step in the Red Sea. Or imagine um, the paralyzed man's four friends, like what would have happened if they never started digging through the roof to get to Jesus? Or the woman who reached out to touch Jesus's hem of his robe, if she never came, if she never like, overcame all of that fear that held her back and bravely and humbly with all the strength she could manage to touch his robe, I mean, all of these people took really scary first steps, intentional steps. And I think I think that is a message for women right now. It will feel wrong. It will feel uncomfortable. It will feel scary when we start doing something to build confidence, but it's worth it. And we start by by saying one prayer, or we start by taking one lap around the track, or for me, by doing one plank every morning, which is about to kill me, or read one chapter of the Bible, or you know, in our business, we decide to go make one sale or write a paragraph or send a text to somebody and start communicating. Our confidence is only going to come when we start taking action, even if every bit of taking action is painful and scary. It's just like riding a bike. Eventually, we're going to wreck a few times, but eventually we're going to be the most confident bike rider ever. I love that. I love that. Well, you know, we're in this really strange time. We're recording this interview June 2020. Um, We're still kind of in COVID-19, but along with that has just come just all kinds of civil unrest and racial tensions all around the country. And you and I were talking before we came on. It's like every single morning you wake up and go, oh, this is the new world I'm living in. And I think that can be hard for some of us to be flexible enough to pivot, to be available, to be willing to have our plans change. What would you say to that girl who's just really struggling with this time? Yeah, when I, I kind of went through this feeling, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, of being kind of upset with God and going, well, where are you in all this? With People locked at home, people dying, businesses closing, people watching their their jobs either furlough them or lay them off or lose their job and no one else is hiring. And I kept going, What where are you in all this? Mm-hmm. And it was just this weekend I was praying and I was watching protesters come together, the you know, peaceful protesters and evangelicals had a march for um, racial, racial reconciliation. And I felt like the Lord said, here I am. Ah, I love that. Here I am. Where people are waking up to learn to love their brothers and sisters even more. Now, are we in the middle of terrible things happening all the time in our cities? Yes. Are we in the middle of people still dying of COVID? Yes. But what we know about God 
from the history of the world and from our own personal histories is that God is here. He is in control. We don't understand what all is happening, but we will look back on this season and go, okay, I I see what you were doing there. And I, I may have been angry or confused at the time. Forgive me. The thing I love about God is he can handle all of our emotions. As somebody in the last recession who literally, we literally lost everything we owned and came out the other side of it, we can survive hard things and God will give us the strength to get through hard times. And I think what's important is that we wake up every day and go, okay, I'm in a new season because the world's in a new place. What do you have for me? Give me the strength to get through this. Tell me clearly what you have for me to do. Help me get out of my own way. Help me make sure that fear and self-doubt and the obstacles that are in my way don't slow me down from doing whatever you want me to do. And maybe doing whatever he wants us to do looks like getting out of bed in the morning when we just want to put the covers over our head and say, forget it, it's too hard. That's important. The way we take care of our families, the way we love each other, the way we look out for our neighbors, that may be the most important thing you do every day, but it's important and it matters to God because we're partnering with him to take care of his world. Mm, that is so good, Allie. That is so good. You know, I I just think I'm that we're all just so addicted to blessings <laughs> and we really think that if we're following God, that everything should just work out just fine. And yet that we don't read it in scripture. He he says, you know, you're going to have trouble. Um, you know, I keep thinking, uh, and I don't want to be a, a, a doomsdayer at all, but, you know, Jesus said in the last days, you're going to have perilous times. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like we're being given an opportunity to, to have a, a stronger, more flexible faith. I just love that throughout you share your story of just learning how to obey the Lord and I think sometimes we have this idea that once we obey, that it's just going to be this wonderful, uh, you know, upward climb and that we'll always obey him and everything will go away, go our way. And yet sometimes God allows us to go through some twisty, windy ways. Can you share what you've learned during your journey? Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I am a woman who my history with God is him telling me to do things and me going, oh, I don't know. Let me give it a year to think about it. <laughs> and you would think that every time he would tell me to do something new, I go, well, I have a history with God. I know I can trust him. It's all good. But I got in my own way. So when he told me to leave my job, we had just come out of a season where my husband was very sick. He almost died of adult onset asthma a few years ago. Mm. And so he was starting to get better. And, you know, I was the breadwinner for the family. And so when he told me, I went home and told my husband, my husband's like, Ooh, let's just, let's wait on this a little bit. Right. We, we could use, we could use a little stability for a little while. And a few months later after that, I got sick, mystery illness. My husband had just come out of years of illness and all of a sudden I had a stomach chest and I lost my voice. And when the Lord was telling me to leave and I would say, well, what do you want me to do next? He I knew it was about using my voice, right? So I said, Lord, what, what is going on? I'm so sick. I'm in pain all the time. And I have literally lost my voice. How in the world can I leave my job now? How can I obey you now? And it's kind of like you talked about your story of, of waiting to obey the Lord and him being like, I'm going to make it easier for you. I, I learned in that season when things are really important to God, he's not going to let us off easy. I'm, I'm not one who's ever especially felt like God was upset with me um, because I see God as a, a loving father who, who isn't easily angered because that's scriptural. And I had, we had an, a surgery to figure out what in the world was wrong with me. This was about, it's about two and a half years ago and I was home recovering and uh, one of my best friends called me and she said, I feel I feel like you're not obeying God and that's why you're sick and you need sackcloth and ashes and you need to get a word from God so you can figure out what's going on. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't even know what fabric sackcloth is, but I'll go pray. So I, I was sitting on my couch, I was praying and I turned on uh, a Bible study and it took me to, and she was talking about something and that's, you know how you, you have on a Bible study, but you get on your phone cause you're distracted because you're very, taking the Bible study very seriously, obviously. <laughs> and I heard her talk about numbers. And I was like, numbers? And I felt like the Lord said, turn to numbers right now. 
And it took me to the part where Moses strikes the rock in anger and disobeys God, and he doesn't get sent into the promised land because of it. And in that moment, for the first time in my whole life, I felt like God was very upset with me because what he was asking me to do was very important. And I was going to miss out on the future that he had for me because of my disobedience. I didn't have to obey. I could have kept living my life how I was living my life, but I was going to miss out on doing good work for him if I didn't obey. And that, and my husband came home later from the grocery store and I said, it's time. I got to go. And I think that is a word for women because when he gives us a dream, when he tells us to do something or he tells us to not do something, he's not going to strike us down if we don't. But we may miss out on the good future that he has for us if we don't take that chance. Mm, Oh my goodness. I think that there's someone listening right now that needed to hear that. And you know, we have so, um, we so made God warm and cozy and fuzzy that we've also forgot the fear of the Lord and the reverence in that he really does take when we say, I belong to you, God, that you can do whatever you want with me. He takes us at our word. And he's asking for that obedience. And, you know, there have been times where God has let me feel the rod and his staff. But I found that when I can receive it from the heart of the Lord, even though it's hard, even though it feels like, oh, dear, I've done something wrong. It's all love. It's all love. Correction isn't rejection. It's direction. And if we can receive it, it's a gift to our soul. I'm so glad you shared that. So glad. Any other things just that you just feel in your spirit you're supposed to share during this time? Yeah, I I think that it is really important for us as women to stop telling God what we can't do. Mm, yeah. Because we have a tendency to do that, right? When we when God kind of gives us a nudge in our heart or points our interest somewhere and and speaks to us, what we often do is we will tell God, oh, I can't do that. We, We need to stop telling God what we can't do. We need to stop telling God why we aren't good enough. We need to stop telling God no through our actions. We may not tell him no with our voice or in our heart, but in our actions, we tell him no all the time. We need to step up and step out and love people and let it all be messy and imperfect. And in the meantime, we can trust God's goodness and his grace, even when life doesn't make sense. But if we as a generation of women who love the Lord keep telling God what we can't do, we're not going to partner with him to do the kingdom work in this world that he's calling us to do. Because it is easy and it is safe for us to play small. And I think what happens is we use humility as a cover for disobedience. That's true. He is pushing us to do something or pushing us to kind of stretch or learn something or try something. We go, oh, no, I'm just going to be humble and I'm going to play small over here. But God's like, expand your territory. Learn. Step out. Trust me. God is asking for a generation of women to stand strong and listen to that whisper inside that says you're meant for more. And like I said before, that more could be building a garden. It could be adopting a child or starting a business or writing a book. But whatever he calls us to do, it is kingdom work and it is important. And we got to stop telling God what we can't do. Mm, I love that. You know, it's interesting. You keep talking um, about, you know, that he's given us work to do on the earth. And I'm, I'm having this just wonderful experience of, going deeper with Jesus. Um, That's just so, so sweet. And one of the things that I saw, I've been reading actually a Dallas Willard's book, A Life Without Lack. Well, that's a great one. Oh, so good. And he, he makes a statement about just kind of what you're saying that, you know, that he does his work, wants to do his work through us. But somehow, and I don't know if it was in his words or just some of the thoughts I've been having, you know, I've always thought, you know, Jesus is just so amazing to me that, you know, you lived 38 years in 
obscurity, and then you only ministered for three years. And then it's like you handed it off to us. And what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that just seems crazy. And yet, you know, as I'm thinking about what God's doing to me and just inviting me, Jesus lives in me, Christ in us, the hope of glory. He wants to continue his life and his ministry through us. He's not like, here's the baton, Joanna, and do what you can. Right. He, he's wanting to so fill me and fill all of us who love him and who belong to him. So fill us with his spirit and his power and his nature, his very being that, oh, yeah, three years was just the beginning. His work has continued all these years and it wants to continue through us. So, oh, thank you for confirming that because that's just been it. resonating. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's, that's a good word right there. What a privilege. Mm -hmm. What a privilege. And yet, like you say, we hold back because of fear. We hold back because we're pretty sure it will be uncomfortable. (laughs) 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 Because it usually is. I don't know about you, Allie, but sometimes obeying God is uncomfortable. It's never comfortable for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You talk about pushing through self-doubt. And I think for me, uh, some of that, that's really kind of where I get stuck. What is your five second secret? I cannot let you go without finding out what is this five second secret? Yeah. So I read a book um, called the five second rule from Mel Robbins. And she talked about how she accidentally discovered this trick to kind of trick her brain into letting her take action. Cause you know how when you wake up in the morning, you've got that one second, you either, you either launch yourself out of bed or you're going back to sleep for an hour. Right. Yeah. And there's something kind of in our brains where our brains are designed to keep us safe. And so if anything is hard or difficult, our brain's like, no, I don't think so. And so mm-hmm. she developed this little five second rule where she would go, she would count down five to one, five, four, three, two, one, and then she would take action. And by taking mm-hmm. action, it stopped the brain from stopping her. And so I was practicing that and it was cool, but it lacked the power because again, we weren't bringing God into that battle, right? And so right. I'm, I kind of changed it and made it the five second secret. And so what I did is I just brought God into every equation. So I would go, for the Lord didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power control and a sound mind. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Because when we bring the Lord into any battle, whether it's a battle of getting up on time or not eating a second piece of carrot cake or exercising or making a phone call that we really don't want to make, when we bring him into every battle, we're going to win. And yeah. it's just recognizing I get my strength from the Lord. This is the truth about who I am and who he is. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. Now I'm going to do it. And that changed everything for me. It helped me even when I was dealing with illness and I was getting really depressed from everything, from my own disobedience, it helped me push past it and keep going on my hardest days. That is so powerful. Wow. I could just talk to you forever, Miss mm-hmm. Allie. Hey, where can people find all your good stuff and especially access the book? Yeah, just at AllieWorthington.com on Instagram. I'm Allie Worthington, and my podcast is The Allie Worthington Show. Yes, you guys have definitely got to check out her podcast. Well, this has just been so rich, Allie, and I, I just love your availability to God and your dependence on the Lord because I, I think that something richer and deeper comes out of that than just forcing it and trying to make things happen. What have you learned in that arena? <laughs> I have tried to make a million things happen on my own, um, where, where um, I didn't have I didn't have a God word on things, and I didn't feel a leading, but I felt like something should be a would be a quote unquote good idea, right? Have you ever been through that? You're like, oh, that be I see so and so doing that. I feel like I could do that too. That seems like a good idea. And so for me, just learning um, what what is God breathing on in my life. And what is me kind of looking out in the world and thinking, oh, other people do that. That's a good idea. I should do that on my own. And and really praying into things to find out where God wants me to go. That's been really life-changing to me because the more I ask, the more he shows it. And very often he tells me no. I would say 
the majority of things I say, hey, Lord, what about this? I just hear, I feel a heaviness in my spirit and it's just an obvious no. And I wish I could say that the vast majority of time I've obeyed that, but I'm a woman with a lot of stories about obedience because I've been a woman who hasn't obeyed enough that I really learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I know. What you mean. Well, we have such good mm-hmm. ideas yep. for God. Well, Lord, <laughs> she's over there doing that. That seems like something I should do too. And the Lord's like, no, I didn't, I didn't call you to that. Yeah. He has enough individual work for all of us. Yes, yes, yes. Mm, that is so, so good. When you say pray into, I think there's some girls out there wondering what that looks like. Oh, yeah. I'm a very practical girl. So if I'm praying into something, I will I'll just get down on the carpet, face to carpet and say, Lord, this is what I'm thinking about. Help help me figure out if this is if this is you or this is me. And I will journal and I will um, I'd read through the Bible. I, here's the thing. I like a combination of a good Bible reading plan every day where the Holy Spirit illuminates scripture. But I also like sometimes going to my Bible and going, Lord, what verse do you want me to read right now about this? Because sometimes, sometimes he'll knock your socks off. And there's been times he's like, I want you to go to Ezekiel 7. I'm like, darn it, that is not a happy chapter. Because, you know, I'm praying into like, like it happened this week, <laughs> praying into what's going on in the world. And he's like, Ezekiel 7. I was like, that's terrible. Um, but I, I, I pray into it in that way. And then if it's a big decision that I'm making in my life, there's two levels of, of kind of checks and balances. So I always go to my husband and 90% of the time he, he's the one who goes, let me pray about it, pray about it. Okay, great. Let's go. Every once in a while, like I talk about in this book, this, this was the first time for us where I said, the Lord saying something and my husband said, but he didn't say when to do it. So it kind of put a delay on things and we had to wrestle through that together. So I take it to my husband and, um, and then I, instead of talking to my friends about it, I pray and ask the Lord if it's something I should do, um, could he confirm it through a friend? That'd be great. But if it's something I shouldn't do, could he please send trusted women who love the Lord to say, this might sound crazy, but I feel like the Lord told me to tell you X, Y, and Z. Um, the longer I live, the more he does that. So that's how I pray into it. Mm, I love that. And and I love that you were willing to take the hard words that your friend gave you, you know, to be told that you're sick because you were disobedient. I think a lot of us, we do not invite that kind of honesty. You know, we just want someone to commiserate with us and tell us how wonderful we are, you know? And when really, if we, I I just keep thinking, I'm writing a new book on trusting God. And I'm like, Lord, why, why, why do I think I'm smarter than you? And why do I resent it when you rebuke me? Because it's your rebuke that brings life. So, oh, well, listen, you guys, you've got to pick up this book and check out all of Allie's good stuff. We'll have links in the show notes. But as we close, Allie, would you, would you just pray over the women that are listening? I'd love to. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you as a group of women who love you. As a group of women who've given our lives to you as a group of women who love you more than anything else in the world and are trying to trust and obey. And we ask you for strength because many of us are going through hurts that other people don't even know about. If For the women listening right now who are struggling with financial problems, I pray for provision. For the women struggling with prodigal children, I pray that this is the year they've come home. For women who are sick, I pray for your healing touch to fall on them. For women who are caregivers of other people who are sick, I pray for strength for them, that they not be weary, that they not grow bitter, that you strengthen them every day in a way that they can't even wrap their minds around sometimes because things are so hard and somehow they keep a smile on their face and they keep going and they do all the things that they're meant to do because you are strengthening them. For the women who are listening today, who have this nudge in their spirits and this idea that won't leave them, but they feel so completely ill-prepared 
to, to take action. I pray that they receive a word today that it is your will for them to step forward, that even though things seem difficult, even though they don't know what they're doing, even though they don't know if they're going to be successful, the obedience to you is the blessing in it. Thank you, Lord. I pray that every woman listening right now gets a new strength, a new vision, a new passion to get out of her own way and to do whatever it is that you're calling Mm. her to do in this world, despite the fear, despite the pain, despite the uncertainty in the world, despite everything that looks like it's up against her, that you keep nudging her heart to move in the direction that she breaks chains in her family of unhealthiness, that she builds new things for the future, that she partners with you to bring your purposes to the earth. God, you are a good God who loves us. You have created women on this earth to be strong, to be counterparts, to hold everything up, Lord. Let women of this generation realize the strength that you have for us, the vision that you have for us, and let us love the world in the way that you've created us to love. We love you with all of our hearts, and we pray this in strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being with us, Allie. Thank you, friend. It was great to be with you. I'm still chewing on some of the things that Allie shared, and I'm trying to really fully digest the amazing good news that I don't have to constantly second-guess my motives. I just have to be available to God. I'd love to hear what spoke most to you in today's episode. You can leave a comment at the blog or over at Facebook or Instagram. Just look for at Joanna Weaver Books, find the episode graphic, and you can leave a comment there. And hey, if you'd like to follow me there, I'd love to get to know those of you who listen to the podcast. I don't know what you're going through, my friend, but I know, I know that I know that God wants to help you stand strong. Here's the wonderful good news, you guys. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, Christ lives within you. The very Spirit of God is available to help lead and guide you through all the twists and turns of life. And if you haven't yet received Jesus, or perhaps you've wandered away from God, you can return to Him today. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me for trying to do life on my own. You took the punishment for my sin and you made it possible for me to return to God. And I choose to do that today. Come live in me, Jesus. I want to belong to you alone. Amen. Well, if you guys prayed that prayer, I can just say with full assurance, welcome to the family of God, all of heaven's rejoicing, and so am I. This is something so beautiful, the beginning of a new life that's going to be filled with the presence and love of Jesus. And the Spirit of God's going to help you. He's going to change you from the inside out so that you live and love and lead like Jesus. It was the life you were made for, my friend. Welcome home.